What's good, everyone? I'm your host, Brian McDaniel, and this is the Views from the 573 Podcast, the podcast that is going to be reviewing all these awesome games that we got coming up this week in both the NFL and College Football Plus. Talk about the newest batch of the College Football Playoff rankings. We got a new batch Tuesday night, and a lot of it has stayed the same, but there's a couple things that have changed, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. Reminder, if you have if you aren't following the show, you can follow us where you guys get your podcasts. If you listen to the audio version, you can find us on those platforms. If you prefer some video content, we had that covered as well on the YouTube channel, 573 Podcast. Be sure to go give that a follow-up too, to go subscribe, turn on notifications for that. And if you want to keep up with what's going on on our social medias, 573 Pods is the official podcast account. And can go follow us there. But yeah, let's get on into the CFP rankings here with week number two of the rankings heading into week 11. And yeah, a lot of it has stayed the same. Let's briefly go through it. 25 through 21, Kansas State, North Carolina, Tulane, Iowa, Arizona. Of course, Air Force falls out. Then 20 to 15, Notre Dame, LSU, Utah, Oklahoma, who fell after having that big loss to Oklahoma State last week and Kansas at 16. Speaking of Oklahoma State, from 15 to 10, they kick off there at 15. Mizzou falls to 14, Tennessee 13, Oregon State 12, Louisville 11, and then Penn State is at 10. And then we get all then we get into the top 10 with Ole Miss going into the top 10 at number nine. Alabama stays at eight. Texas is at seven, Oregon six. And then, yes, the rest of it has stayed the same pretty much from last week. So taking a look at this week's rankings, a lot of it has stayed the same. A lot of the same stuff that we talked about last week with how there's some inconsistencies like resume wins, like looking at the Texas win over Bama, like when that was and how well Bama's playing right now. And then maybe like you t- USC fell out of the rankings. Like, how does that win shape up now for somebody like Washington? A lot of the same stuff that we talked about last week are still there. And I mean, you take a look at, you know, again, it's the whole resumes, eye test thing. It's, you know, it's really kind of confusing sometimes with how the committee does this. So Washington, I mean, you can make a case Washington right now, even though last couple weeks they didn't play well, then they had the big win over USC, even though there's no defense shown in that game, that you can make a case that Washington maybe has the better resume than Florida State right now. And right now, Florida State, you take a look at them, they got probably the clearest path, the cleanest and the easiest path to get to the playoff right now. They got Miami this week, and I think they should beat them, and they hold serve and beat everybody else. They got Florida this later this year. I forget that's at Tallahassee or if it's at Gainesville, but they got that game. They should hold serve. They should be able to take care of all that. But, I mean, you can make the case Washington's resume is better than Florida State's right now. But a lot of it has pretty much stayed the same besides a couple things, and, yeah, Alabama saw eight. You wondered if they would rise a little bit after their win over LSU. But it's pretty much still the same thing, you know, ranking teams in different pods. Like, who's undefeated? 
who has one loss, who has two losses, who has three losses, and so on and so forth. That's pretty much what's happened this week. The same thing from last week carries on over into week number two of these rankings. So, yeah, pretty much stayed the same. You kind of wondered if Georgia was going to go to number one after their win against Mizzou, but they are holding serve here at two. And, you know, I do wonder if they beat Ole Miss and they beat Ole Miss convincingly. That's a top 10 win. And even though it might be, it might look a little bit better on the road to do that than at home, it's still a top 10 win. And I wonder if the committee will take a look at that with that win on the resume and say, hey, Georgia beat a top 10 team convincingly and they moved them up. So I wonder about that if they make the swap there. And then you take a look at some, I mean, speaking of that Ole Miss-Georgia game, there's a lot of games that can determine what can happen with next week's rankings. I imagine next week's rankings can, you might see some difference in some of these rankings that we've seen the first two weeks to the third week and how they go. Because you look at these games we got, we got Ole Miss-Georgia, Again, top 10 matchup. We got another top 10 matchup in Michigan and Penn State. And then you got Utah and Washington in which Utah, hey, maybe they can take down Washington. If Washington falls, well, then Florida State, feel pretty good about it. That's one less unbeaten they had to worry about behind them. But then they got Oregon behind them. They got Texas behind them, Bama behind them. So you're going to have to worry about those teams. And you take a look at what all else they would have, Washington, Oregon, presumably you would think would have their Pac-12 title game rematch should they both meet there, and I imagine there's a good possibility they would. You also got Texas, rest of their schedule, everything's in front of them, and they still got the Big 12 title game. And then you got Bama, who got Kentucky this week, feel like they should win. Then they got Auburn last week of the season, Iron Bowl. Again, Weird things can happen in that game, but they should be able to be fine. And then you got the SEC title game, and maybe they beat maybe they beat Georgia. Who knows? So there's a lot of big games this weekend that can really determine what happens in the third week of the playoff rankings. Are there's gonna are there's isn't there gonna be any shakeups? And there very well could be. And uh, if Washington does lose, that could really change a lot of things. And Michigan, Penn State, that's a big one. And that's going to be at Penn State, too. That's a huge one for Michigan. That's a test right there, their first real test of the season. And it's on the road. Now, thankfully for them, Ohio State is coming up to the big house. But this is a huge, that's a huge test for Michigan and for Penn State. Ole Miss, Georgia. And even though it's senior night for Georgia and feel like they should probably be able to win, Ole Miss has been pretty good this year. Ole Miss, even though you could say like some of those close wins that they've had shouldn't have been close, they've ended up winning them. And Judkins is playing some really good ball. Jackson Dart is good through the air on or on the ground. So, I mean, lots of things can happen this week, you know, that can really shake up these rankings and, change uh, how things look in week number three. And I imagine we're going to take a look at next week's rankings and there's going to be some shakeups here because I'm, I'm looking at some of these games that we're going to pick later. We mentioned the, those three 
We also got USC, Oregon. We got Tennessee, Mizzou. There, there's a, there's a couple of games here that can really determine if we're going to get a shakeup here. And you know, if Tennessee does beat Mizzou, I wonder whatever happens with uh, you know Penn State loses. I imagine they would fall out of the top ten. Does Louisville jump up there? Does Oregon State or does Tennessee get the benefit of a doubt if they beat Mizzou? Go on the road and beat a top fifteen team, and then you got the. Tennessee Georgia matchup and I wonder if they would be ranked in the top 10 and maybe that could help Georgia strength the schedule out because that's something that's been criticized is Georgia and Michigan's strength of schedules so far up to this point and of course Michigan has got some tough games coming up starting this week and then Georgia had the Mizzou game that was tough and then you got Ole Miss and Tennessee these next couple weeks so I have to wonder what the committee think about that and say you know they went on the road, beat a top 15 Mizzou team that's played really good football and put them in the top 10. And you got a, another top 10 matchup for Georgia, but this time on the road and can make that case that we had for Georgia and Ole Miss. You know, if that game was at Ole Miss, maybe the committee thinks more highly of that. If they go on the road and beat Tennessee and if they're ranked in the top 10, I think you probably had to put them number one. But that's next week and that's next week's game and this week's has a lot of good contests that can determine what's going to happen in next week's rankings so i guess without with all that being said let's talk about this week's games because man oh man there's some there's some really good ones that we got coming up this week and Let's try to go do this by game time. And I, I got them all mixed up here on the on the spreadsheet. But Michigan and Penn State, big noon kickoff game on Fox at 11 o'clock. This and the Bama-Kentucky game are the two early noon window games to keep an eye on. Partly because for Bama-Kentucky, you know, SEC matchup, Kentucky six wins. It's at Kentucky. It's hard for me to remember the last time Bama's been to Kentucky, so there, there's some intrigue there. But of course, Michigan and Penn State—that's the—that's a big one. We get a top ten matchup here in the early window, and then we get a top ten matchup in the night window. So it's going to be fun. Michigan and Penn State, though, let's talk about this one and kind of go through it here. And of course, Michigan—they're going through all their stuff right now with the sign stealing scandals and all that stuff. And they're heading into Penn State, in which I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams playing Michigan here. Of course, there's only, what, three games left. Penn State, they got another game, then Ohio State. I think they're those teams are going to want blood with what's happening with Michigan and the whole sign-stealing scandal. And Penn State, we know what kind of environment it can be. It's not a night game, but we know what kind of environment – that they can have there at Happy Valley. And Penn State, I imagine, is going to be wanting some blood here considering what's been going on with Michigan. Now, looking at this Michigan team, it's a little bit different than past teams. Of course, we kind of expected with Donovan Edwards, Blake Corm coming back that Michigan was going to be a good run team. But they've just been all right. They've just been solid. But it's partly because of the evolution of J.J. McCarthy, who has really stepped up his game this year. 
and has really evolved into a good quarterback. In which you take a look at the QBs coming out for this year's draft, you got Shadur Sanders saying he's going to go back for another year. So that puts him in the 2025 conversation. Who's QB3 behind Caleb Williams and Drake May? It very well could be McCarthy. could be Bo Nix. It could be Michael Penix Jr. I would have to imagine McCarthy's going to be in that conversation for the third quarterback taken behind those two. And how he's played this year has been amazing. He's third in the FBS in completion and guards per pass attempt. And he's just evolved into where he's not making some of those mistakes that you've seen that you saw last year. There's a couple in the TCU game in which shouldn't have happened. We're just boneheaded plays. He's not making as many this year. He's playing smart football. He can stay in the pocket, can go outside the pocket, make some plays with his legs. And he's got a couple good weapons. Colson Loveland, the tight end, solid tight end as a sophomore. Roman Wilson is a threat, whether it's in the slot or outside. But they've played some really good football. And that's partly because of McCarthy's evolution. They're a little bit different. They can throw the ball a little bit more this year. And it's really weird because we had this kind of vision of hardball teams in the past, and it's kind of different. And also, you can partly contribute, I think, McCarthy's evolution this year because of hardball and his coaching and the coaching staff on the offensive side of the football, what they've done with McCarthy this year. Looking at the Penn State side of things, Drew Aller played his best game last week. They need to push the ball after not doing it here against Ohio State. They started to do that. But who's going to be that big play threat for Penn State in this game that they're really going to need to show up in this game? Now, Katron Allen, Nicholas Singleton are your two best players. And honestly, maybe you should experiment with putting both of them on the field. Not Might not be a bad idea. So you're you're going to rely on them, but I think you're going to also need to rely on somebody in that wide receiver group to make some explosive plays. And Lambert Cephas, I believe it is, he is the leading Penn State receiver right now. But he's going – it's not – okay, it's not Cephas, but there is a Cephas out there. But Lambert Smith, I believe it is. So they're going to need some, one of those two guys to make some big-time plays and stretch the field. If not, it can be a, a replay of the Ohio State game. And for Penn State, you don't want that, especially at Happy Valley. And you might, again, experiment with Allen and Singleton in the backfield. Chop Robinson, the pass rusher, you hope he gets to play in this game, can maybe make an effect on the Michigan passing game, can maybe get into McCarthy's head a little bit and get him to rush a couple throws. So we'll have to see. Penn State is going to need to push the ball downfield. And that could really help the run game too. That could help with some play action stuff and get and maybe helping Allen Singleton. And in this game last year, both of those guys did not do good. So maybe there's a little bit of a change here. But I will say, Michigan, huge test. Everybody's against them. And despite how I think everybody's going to be out for blood against them, I think it's like an us versus the world mentality. And they're going to show like, hey, we can go and beat the crap out of y'all, even without stealing signs. 
So I think I'm going to take the Wolverines here to go on the road and beat Penn State. And, you know, Penn State, I don't think it's necessarily out of it either as far as the rankings. Now, if they win this one, I think some things could get interesting because I think I read it would cause a three-way tie in the Big Ten East. That is, if Michigan does lose this one and then subsequently beats Ohio State, they would each lose to each other. And then you got all these other tiebreakers in place. So this is a huge game. I think I'm going to take Michigan to get the win at Happy Valley and stay undefeated. Next one up, let's take a look at who all's in this. Okay, Alabama-Kentucky. Let's talk about this one real quick. Alabama hasn't been on the road here in a minute. They've played three straight home games, so you wonder how they're going to play in this environment. And you take a look at their game last week against LSU. Nick Saban said it was the most complete game they played this year so far. I don't think you continue to play like that. And maybe in an early noon window game, maybe there's some uh, sluggishness to how Bama plays. I don't know if Kentucky can take advantage of that. Probably not. But it is a thought to have. And so Bama, they probably won't play at that level they played against LSU last week. I mean, it's a little bit different because it's a night game. It's against a huge rival. But it is noticeable that they played their most complete game last week. And even if they do come out looking sluggish, I'm not going to pick against them at Kentucky. I, I'm going to take Bama to win this one. And again, maybe they can take advantage of some chaos that can happen this week should some of these teams fall that are ahead of them. It could get very interesting here. Uh, looking at some of the other games, so now we've moved out of the early noon window. We're now into... Some of the later afternoon games. And let's go ahead and get this one out of the way since I, we can talk about some SEC games here back-to-back. Tennessee and Mizzou. Big one here. This is the Ryan and Rebecca Bowl. And uh <laughs> didn't know if I saw this one being a top 15 matchup all the way when we talked about Mizzou. Uh, in August, September, feels like forever ago. And here we are. And looking at Tennessee and their losses, both of them have been on the road and both of them not been pleasant. The Florida game, I like to block that one out, same as the Bama game. Although those losses, really different. Bama In the Bama game, Tennessee, strong first half, second half, not so much. Florida game, just could not do anything on the ground. But they have played Kentucky on the road here recently. And while, yes, you know, played a little bit different defensive style in that game, didn't get as much pressure on Leary. Stop the running game. And I think that's something to keep an eye on with this one is the run game of both these teams and the run defenses. For Tennessee, can this three headed monster led by Jalen Wright, can they attack this Mizzou run defense? And look at Mizzou. Can they run on Tennessee, which I believe Tennessee is now ranked as one of the better run defenses in the in the league and the country now. And so can Cody Schrader wear them out? He wore Georgia out a little bit last week. And so I wonder if that's going to be the case here. 
Yeah, I kind of view this in the same light as Tennessee and Kentucky, and it's a little bit different because, you know, Tennessee always beats Kentucky, it seems like. And that hasn't always been the case with this Mizzou game. And in the last couple games, Tennessee has blown the doors off Mizzou. I don't think that's going to happen in this one. Looking at the line is in favor of Tennessee by about one and a half, two, somewhere around that much. I don't think it's going to be like these last couple years. Brady Cook has done really good this year. He's also a threat on the ground. But I think a lot of what Mizzou's game plan is centered on is how healthy is Luther Burden. He got nicked up in the Georgia game. We'll have to see what the call is going to be come Saturday afternoon at kickoff. If he does play, that could be a really big help for Mizzou and could really get give them the edge here. But we just don't know if he's going to play here. Again, I view this as kind of similar to the Kentucky game where the you had the run game with Ray Davis and you got the game the run game with Schrader here. I think that can shut him down, and Mizzou's run defense is pretty solid as well. But besides the Bama game and the Florida game, Tennessee's run on everybody. Nobody's been able to stop them. A&M game, good run defense, ran on them. Kentucky, same thing. But again, the Tennessee road performances have been, they've been up and down. The Kentucky game, big one. But the Bama and Florida games, Still in the back of your heads here. Now, Joe Milton has looked better here in recent weeks. The offense has gotten a little bit more in rhythm. And so I wonder, can that help? And for Tennessee, they're going to need to create some pressure here. I'm curious what defense they're going to play here. If it's going to be like soft or if they're going to have some pressure with their DBs with these receivers. Because Bazoo's got some studs at wide receiver besides Burden. Weiss has been amazing. And then Cooper's been amazing as well. I mean, I think y'all know who I'm going to pick here. But I think this one is going to be a close one. It's going to be a fun one in the 230 slot. Man, one more time of listening to Gary Danielson. Uh, It's only going to be, I think, another week unless, you know, something weird happens here. And Georgia loses the Ole Miss. Tennessee wins here. And then Tennessee beats Georgia next week, and they find themselves in the SEC championship game. That's the only way <laughs> we'd get another Gary appearance. Unless, you know, Tennessee does something Tennessee-like, like in years past, and lose to like Vanderbilt in the last game with a possible SEC title berth. It would happen. You know, I've seen weird things happen. It wouldn't be unexpected. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to take Tennessee here, but... I do think a lot of it does depend on if Burden plays or not. And I, I still think they can win if Burden does play, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like Tennessee and Kentucky, although I think a little bit more doubt in here as to whether Tennessee can go and beat Mizzou. So let's take a look at some of the other ones here, and let's see who else is up here. I believe we got... Let's talk about Miami and Florida State here real quick. Florida State, again, talked about them. Probably got the cleanest path to the playoff right now with how their schedule lines up. And they're playing a Miami team in which Tyler Van Dyke, a little bit banked up, has also been a little bit turnover happy. So Florida State might feel good about playing against a backup quarterback, and we'll look to key in on that. 
you take a look at Miami's run game and compare it to Florida State's, they're out rushing them per game and per attempt. So that's something to keep an eye on, particularly with Florida State's run defense. has not been great. So Chris Ball doing a good job on the offensive side of the ball in the trenches and getting a run game going. Last week, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson did not play last week. Also, a couple other receivers didn't play. So they were pretty much down to like fourth or fifth guys on the depth chart. And they still had a blowout win. But I think you're going to need them. You're going to need them to help to help you out, even if it's just one of them. One of them can help you out tremendously. Uh, I will take Florida State to win this game. They're 14 and a half point favorites, somewhere around there. So I'm going to go with the Seminoles here. Again, cleanest path here to the playoff, I think. And Florida, I think they could beat them. And then Louisville, we'll have to see what happens there. But I'm going to take FSU here to beat Miami. And, you know, Miami, they're 6-2, and two, but just hasn't been all that great. You know, they had the big A&M win, but A&M has kind of fallen off here a little bit. So, yeah. Florida State here, I think, takes care of the Hurricanes. Next one up, we got Utah and Washington. Pac-12 matchup here. Excited about this one. This one should be a fun one. A couple of exciting Pac-12 matchups. It feels like we're saying that every week at this point. And, of course, it happens in the final year of the Pac-12. So, Utah, Washington. Washington is back home after after having a couple road games. I'll tell you what, even though Utah, their offense is a little bit weird this year with how things have gone without rising. And, of course, they had that big performance against USC on the road, that offensive explosion, then... The offense didn't show up against Oregon, but that can be a testament to how good Oregon's defense is. They've been inconsistent. And so I, w- I wonder how, how well this Utah offense is going to perform here because this Washington defense has kind of slacked off here. And maybe they can get things going in here and can maybe make this a game. Washington, they're, they're looking to be 10-0 and for the second time in school history. The last time was, I believe, in the 90s. So it has been a minute. I, I would have thought it would have been that team they had back in 2015, 2016 that made the CFP that year. But I digress. Washington's defense is going to need to show up here. The offense, you know what you're going to get out of them, even though Penix has thrown a pick here in his last few games here. So that's something to keep an eye on. And I don't think Dylan Johnson's going to have a big performance like he did against USC last week. But you have Adunze, you got Polk there on out wide. Who's going to cover them for Utah? I'm taking the home team here. Washington, they're nearly 10-point favorites here. I do think Utah gives them a fight here. But I think for Washington, they get this one. Another good win on their resume here as they get to 10-0 and do something they haven't done since the 90s. I think it was also at that part of the 90s where I wasn't alive, so it's been a long time. That should tell you a whole lot. So I'm taking the Huskies here to go back home, get to 10-0, and beat the Utes. Next one up. Yeah, taking a look at this late noon window. Lots of fun games here. Some other games that we got going on at this point. I wonder if that is the last one. Let's take a look. I wonder. 
I had to pull up Florida LSU. I think that one's a night game. Although we can't talk about it here. Yeah, that one's a night night game. We might be at the point with the night games now. So let's kind of make that transition over and let's talk about the night games. Let's talk about Florida and LSU here real quick. Uh, a lot of this is going to hinge on if Jaden Daniels is going to play in this one. Uh, after that hit he took at Alabama, it could be Garrett Nussmeyer playing the role of quarterback in this one. I did see a report where Jane Daniels did practice some Wednesday, so that can be a good sign for LSU fans. This one, it seems like there'll be some crazy stuff that can happen in these games between Florida and LSU, particularly if a shoe being thrown at the swamp. Uh, but this one at Ben Rouge, night game, sold out environment. I think they're still going to be ready, even though it does look like their chances have fallen short this year. I think they're going to be ready to go. And, you know, I think Daniels does give it a go this week and plays. And we know LSU's offense can outscore a lot of teams. They didn't last week. But Florida's defense, not all that great. Kind of middle of the pack. So I'm going with the Bayou Bengals here and taking LSU. All right, next one up. Let's go to the other SEC game and talk about Ole Miss going to Georgia. Senior night for Georgia. I still don't think Brock Bowers is going to play in this one. I did see a rumor, but like I don't think it's going to happen. Jonathan Dumas Johnson is out for the Bulldogs, the All-American linebacker. I think it's actually Jamon Dumas Johnson. So he's out, but Georgia, like Bama, just continues to roll in players, and they continue to do fine. And Ole Miss, they got a balanced attack here. The running game has shown that it can be really good right now. It's come alive with Bentley, Judkins. Judkins is playing really good after having a slow start to start the year. And Jackson Dart, underrated quarterback in the SEC. Not a lot of people talk about him, but he's played some good football this year. But when he's gotten under pressure, He's had had some fits with, you know, having some good games. And with the three road games that Ole Miss has played, 13 sacks. So if you can get the dart, then really you can affect the game. Now, in Georgia, they got to know that. I think they definitely know that. But Ole Miss does have a good balance offense. Tez Harris is playing amazing football for that offense right now. And Ole Miss defense, actually pretty solid. Pete Golding has done a good job with that Rebels defense. But for Georgia, I mean, it's tough to pick against them. Home game, it's at night, senior night. It's tough to pick them. The line is, I believe, around 10 or so. And so while I am rooting for Ole Miss, and this is so freaking weird because I'm rooting for Lane Kiffin to win, and you all know the backstory behind that. I'm picking Georgia here to win this game, get to 10-0, and we'll see about that matchup in Nalen next week. But Ole Miss, despite having a, a balanced offense, I think Georgia does get some pressure on Dart, and that is the difference. So give me the Bulldogs. Next one up, let's go to the ACC real quick. Let's talk about Duke and Carolina. And no, it's – I mean, well, yes, it's getting close – Technically, it is college basketball season right now, but kind of weird that we got a game between these two in which both these teams have 
six or more wins. And it's been a tough couple of weeks for the both these teams. Carolina, they have lost they've lost to Virginia and Georgia Tech. Duke, of course, had gotten really blown out by Louisville, surprisingly, and then lose to Florida State. Riley Leonard is kind of banged up and you're probably looking at your third string guy and Grayson Loftus to probably be in line for the start this week against Carolina. So what's one thing that can help Duke out? The run game. Run game is actually good for Duke. Jordan Waters, who is over 500 yards running and 10 touchdowns on the year. And then you also got another running back. You got a two-headed monster here in, along with Jaquez Moore, who's got over 450 yards and four touchdowns. And the North Carolina run defense is suspect. Maybe Duke can take advantage of that. But North Carolina has won all these games versus Duke with Mac Jones as head with Mac Brown as head coach. So I think I'm going to take the Tar Heels here and say they win, get to eight and two. And uh I think this is Carolina's last home game. I think this is their senior day too. I think they got two road games here to close out everything and probably Drake May's last game. I imagine he's got to go pro. So Carolina, I think, gets the win here. Now let's go to the Big 12. Let's talk about West Virginia and Oklahoma real quick. Right now, I believe OU is one of them. There's five teams sitting a game behind Texas and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma was at that point last week, but we all know what happened. West Virginia. Solid season for West Virginia. And I believe, I think I might have shorted them a win when I put this game on the schedule and I'm going to take a look at that and I think I might have yeah I did I shorted them a win they're six and three sorry about that West Virginia but West Virginia they're six and three right now under the radar I think a little bit here and they're looking for their seventh win be the first time under their coach Neil Brown that they've gotten to seven wins it's taken five years to get to that point. So it would be a huge win if they were able to get it against an Oklahoma team that had a little bit of a late-season collapse last year and hope they don't have the same thing happen this year. West Virginia, though, can't attack them with the run game. I don't know what, what is with these run defenses this year. West Virginia, run game, they have 140 yards and 13 games. I believe that leads all power five teams. That's kind of an insane stat that West Virginia is leading in that specific type of stat. Last week, they ran for 336 yards against BYU in Oklahoma. Their run game, they've allowed 140 or more in their last six. So maybe West Virginia can get them here. I do think Oklahoma bounces back in this one. But I can see West Virginia maybe giving them a game, especially if they're able to attack them with that run game and see if they can get some big chunk plays out of that part of the offense. And then USC taking on Oregon. Another fun Pac-12 matchup here. Oregon playing some really good football. USC is kind of trending down here. Of course, they fired Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator. I don't think that's going to make any bit of difference here as far as like scheme and what they'll do on that side of the ball. 
I think Oregon, though, Oregon's playing some good football. Bo Nix, ex- experienced quarterback, making his 57th start. Home game for Oregon, too. Night game for Oregon. I think the Ducks do get it done. I do wonder if USC can keep up. Maybe they get a, you know, maybe they can get a win here. I do think it would take a great Caleb Williams performance here in this one. And maybe they get one, and maybe they still lose. I don't know. But if USC, they want to win this one, they're going to need a great performance from their star quarterback. And they got the weapons to do so on offense. That part we know. It's just on the defensive side that they give up a whole lot in the passing game and the run game. Bucky Irving, I imagine, can. it feels like he's going to have a field day with how Dylan Johnson ran all over USC last week. He's probably like, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat good this week. But you take a look at the USC offense again and how they did last week. Probably feel better after what they did last week. But Washington's defense has not been all that great. Oregon's defense, a whole lot better than Washington's. And I will take the Ducks here to win this one. I wonder, I want to check what the line is for this one. And I'm mad, it's going to be in the Ducks' favor. Oregon, around 14 and a half, 15. That's a big line. But you know what? I could, I could kind of see it. I, I could see it. If USC's not able to stop anybody, I could see it. But uh, I will take the Ducks here to win this one. Pac-12 after dark. Man, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, should be a lot of fireworks in that one. So give me the Ducks here to win in that one. All right, now let's head on over to week 10 of the NFL. Let's talk about these games, starting with tonight's game with the Panthers at Bears. Not a great Thursday night game, but one little fun nugget here. Of course, the Bears acquiring DJ Moore, so kind of a revenge game for DJ and Deontay Foreman. But that's not the nugget there, is because the Bears owe or own the Panthers' first-round pick from the DJ Moore trade. So, we know where the standings are sitting right now. Panthers are in pretty good position right now, along with the Cardinals, for one of those top picks. And so, kind of a win-win here with whatever happens in this one. If the Bears win, that's cool. And if they give the Panthers a loss, that can help the Panthers' chances out at getting a top, well, the top pick or the number two pick. So, hey, you know, it's kind of a win-win here for the Bears, you know, with whatever happens, I think. But, you know, I think they would probably say, like, hey, let's, you know, let the Panthers lose and then we'll we'll beat them and just we'll see how the rest of our season goes. Who knows when Justin Fields gets back. But for this one, a couple rookie quarterbacks. And a side note there, with the Giants quarterback situation, Tommy DeVito is starting. He is the 10th rookie quarterback to get a start this year. That's an NFL record. And a lot of it has just been like, I mean, kind of expected Bryce Young, CJ Stroud to start. A couple of these guys have had to start because of necessity, because they've had to, like DeVito. But Gent has had to start because of what happens to Fields. Levis has had to do it. And so on and so forth. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Clayton Toon. I don't know if I can name all of them off the top of my head, but, I mean, there's been a lot of them. Think about that. A third of the teams in the league have started rookie quarterbacks at some point this year. That's kind of mind-blowing right there. And we're getting a couple of them in this game with Bryce Young and Tyson Bajent. 
And they both got to play better last week. Both of them costly turnovers. I think Magent had like four by himself, including a fumble or two. And he had some picks in there. And then Bryce Young, of course, had a couple of pick sixes against the Colts. So they both need to play better. They need to not turn over the ball to the other team. For the Bears, of course, again, revenge game for Moore and Foreman. So maybe get performances out of those two that are big. For the Panthers, despite how well their defense played last week, they are going to be missing a couple pieces out there. Brian Burns is not going to be out there on the edges for the Panthers. C.J. Henderson also not playing as well. Bears, they got to be able to get after Bryce. Maybe they can. Home game for them, Montez Sweat, home debut. Maybe they get after him. I will take the Bears, but this one is going to be ugly, everybody. It's not going to be a fun one. But maybe if you're a Bears fan, you feel a little bit better. Like, hey, you get the win here, and also you knock down the Panthers a little bit and uh, help your chances of getting that top pick. Next game. This one, though, I think should be a fun one. Texans, Bengals. Of course, C.J. Stroud had that huge performance last week, and he's going against a Bengals defense that has been good as of late. Rush defense. Has been good in getting after the quarterback and causing some havoc. CJ Stroud has not been good under pressure this year. I believe it's like his yards per attempt has been is like five, and when he's not, it's over nine. So key for the Bengals here: get after Stroud and get and make the rookie quarterback uncomfortable. Buccaneers didn't do that last week, and we saw what happened. Had a record performance in that one. Also, Joe Mixon. Not uh, should have a good day against this run defense. Texans run defense, not all that great. Uh, a couple things to keep in mind, though, for the Bengals. I did see Jamar Chase and T. Higgins were listed as questionable. I imagine Chase is probably going to play Higgins. I honestly don't know. I don't know what to expect out of Higgins anymore. Uh, I had the second best performance in fantasy this year besides his week two performance. So I don't know. Uh, this one, though, should be fun. If the Bengals do get pressure. On C.J. Stroud, I think they win this game. But if not, it, it could be an exciting, fun game. I do think that's kind of what we want instead of like a blowout here. But just trying to be real here. Uh, Bengals, though, I think they will get the win here. And it is a short week for them. We'll get we'll talk about the Ravens a little bit later. But that Bengals-Ravens game that me and Matt talked about, that's this week. That's the Thursday night game uh, next week. So they're going to be, and both those teams are going to be on a short week with uh, their games. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about the Ravens here in a few games. But right now, let's talk about the Saints and Vikings. Of course, Vikings, Josh Dobbs making his home debut for the Vikings. And I'm pretty sure he he knows some of his teammates' names by now. So that can help. Uh, I do think the Saints defense, who I do have in fantasy, and maybe I'm just pumping them up because of that, are a little bit underrated. They did force six turnovers in the last couple weeks. Now, again, last week they played the Bears. Bajent, some turnovers against them. Maybe that helped a little bit. But Saints defense, actually pretty solid this year. And Carr should be fine, even though he's dinking and dunking. Should be fine with Alave. Maybe get something out of Thomas. I feel like you're going to get something out of Taysom Hill. It seems like he, he's doing his Taysom Hill things right now. It seems like it gets to that point at every point in the season. So 
as much as I would love for Dobbs to win this one and keep Minnesota afloat, I think I'm going with the Saints in this one. And who knows? Maybe I'm wrong in this one. There's a couple times I wouldn't mind being wrong. Maybe this is one of them. So we'll see. Titans versus Buccaneers. Couple things here. Levis is now the QB one. Seems like permanently. It sounds like Tannehill is going to be the backup when he gets healthy to Levis for the rest of the season. So it is Levis's job now. Maybe that, you know, I think if you're a rookie quarterback, you you might feel comfortable with that. And you're taking on a Bucks defense. So you saw what happened to him last weekend with the rookie card them up. Can that happen again? I think it's going to be a little bit different because I mean I don't the Titans don't have the weapons the Texans have. Imagine me saying that at the start of the season. Tank Dell, Nico Collins, they've done really well with that receiving group. I think you can maybe take some shots on the Bucks defense, and that can really help out when it comes to Derrick Henry and them loading up the box and trying to stop them, but also the play action game. I think that can really help. And we saw a couple weeks ago. Levis really thrived with that, and he found Hopkins on, of course, that one big touchdown that he had, and then he hit him for a couple more. And so this can really play into Levis's kind of strengths here. And honestly, the Titans' strengths as a whole with what they want to do on offense. Now, the offensive line's got to hold up. That's keep number one here. But if they can do that, maybe they can have a big day on the offensive side of the ball. But I do imagine Todd Bowles, he will have a couple tricks up his sleeve for the rookie quarterback, and we'll see what those are. For Baker in the offensive line, they got to do well because this Titans defense, I imagine, is going to be pretty angry after not having any sacks against the Steelers. And they've had a couple games like that in which one game they don't get any sacks, and then the game after they get multiple sacks in that game. And there's been a couple games like that since 2021 in which that has happened. So I can't imagine that it will happen in this one. And this kind of surprised me when I read it. Right now, Titans are on pace for the highest sack rate under Vrabel. So I imagine they'll get to Baker a couple times. You know what? I think I will take the Titans to win here. I think this is the first time I feel confident about picking the Titans somewhat. Now, they do got to guard Mike Evans and CJ God and Chris Godwin. That's uh that's got to be a thing to keep an eye on. But if they can get after Baker, cause some problems, maybe you cause an interception. That, who knows? Get the Titans a short field. So, yeah, I'm surprised I'm confidently taking the Titans here this one. I didn't think I'd end up doing that, but you know, here we are. 49ers at Jaguars. Both these teams coming off a of bye. And 49ers really needed it after their last few weeks. Not only do they get a bye week after the last couple weeks they've had, but you also get a little bit more healthier. And and it came at a good time, too, because now you're getting Debo Samuel back. And that is huge for this offense because we've seen what this offense has been like since Debo left the game at Cleveland a few weeks ago. Has not looked the same. Now it looks like it, it could be back to 100%. We'll have to see how healthy Trent Williams is for 49ers at left tackle. But it could not come at a better time for the Niners. You also get Chase Young getting some work in during the bye week, getting accustomed, and he's going to make his debut this week. For the Jaguars, probably not the best time for the bye to come to them. 
They they won five straight up until the bye, and they probably wanted to keep on playing because like, hey, we're on a hot streak here. Let's keep on going. So they get a home game here against a 49er team that looks then probably should be healthy, well rested, and ready to go for this stretch one and the second half of the season. And like, hey, let's get back to some winning ways. And what could be a better win, I think, at this point than going on the road against a team that's won five straight, that's six and two, has a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence who's playing really confident football right now, and against an offense line, you know, who you take a look at the Jaguars' offense line, besides Cam Robinson, it's been tough. And so maybe that can play in the hands of the 49ers here. And I think I will take the Niners here. I think this one, we should be in for a fun one here in Jacksville. Kind of hard to imagine me saying that one. And this one, this is going to be one of the Fox games. And I hope and pray that it is this one that's on Fox. I'm looking at this early noon window. Probably going to get tines and bucks because, you know, local, you know, station. Texans and Bengals wouldn't be a bad one to get. 49ers and Jaguars wouldn't be a bad one to get. And then Browns and Ravens would not be a bad one to get. And I think, are we picking Browns and... Yeah, we're at Browns and Ravens here right now. So I'm going with the 49ers here to go on the road to Jacksonville and get back to their winning ways. Next game up, we got the Browns at Ravens. AFC North matchup should be a fun one. And the last time around, the last time these two teams played, Sean Watson did not play in this game. It was Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Ravens won 27-3. It's going to be a different game, I think, this time. Despite how well the Ravens and offense, the Ravens offense and defense has been playing, it might be a little bit different here. Also, again, the short week. The Ravens and Bengals got to play later next week. So I wonder if the Ravens are going to have the Bengals on their minds a little bit ahead of time. Because this Browns team, again, defense really good. Miles Garrett leads that defense, and they've been really good this year. And you get Deshaun Watson back. Maybe that can help the Browns out here on the road. Uh, probably the time to get the Ravens would have been at their place, but you know, didn't happen with DTR start, getting the start last time. But again, you do have to wonder, you know, the Ravens, can they play that consistently like they did last week? In the short week is another thing to take into consideration. So I wonder how Lamar is going to do against the Raven, the Browns defense this time around and what we're going to get out of Deshaun Watson this time around. The Ravens, I'm going to be taking them. They're nearly a touchdown favorite. So I'm going to be taking the Ravens here to win at home and get ready for a short week with AFC North opponents and really kind of making some headway into separating themselves from the rest of the pack in the AFC North. Because if that doesn't happen here, you know, Browns could get the six and three. Say the Bengals get the six and three, and then you got the Steelers and I the Steelers are playing the Packers and who knows what we'll see in that game. But this could be a big game for the Ravens to get some separation and get to eight wins, and, you know, they they get the Bengals this week. They could really create some separation if they beat those two teams this week. Next one up, Lions at Chargers. Sneaky good one here, I think, even though the Chargers, their last couple wins 
against teams probably expect them to beat. Lions, though, are favorites on the road. Honestly, kind of surprised here that it's around three points here. But the Lions, they are favored to win this game. And it's a little bit different team than the Chargers have had to face the last couple weeks. Lions are the more physical team. Chargers are coming off a little bit of a short week here, playing on Monday night. And coming back, they're playing against the Lions team at home that is going to be a lot more physical than these last couple teams they've had to face, particularly on the offensive line. Lions, they got the offensive line to, to deal with Khalil Mack and Nick and Joey Bosa. I think the Lions have a good shot to win this one. Chargers, I think, would definitely love to have this one. But I'm going to take the Lions. I'm going to take the road team here and this one to win this one. Underrated defense. And, you know, the Jets' defense did a pretty decent job against Herbert and company last week. So, you know what? I'll take the Lions here to get the road win. It'd be a pretty good road win for them. Commanders against the Seahawks. The Seahawks, they do have a couple notable players listed as questionable, particularly Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, the Jigba. You wonder if they're going to be good and suit up to play on Sunday. For the Commanders, of course, they trade their two edge rushers. Mac Jones and the Patriots aren't able to take advantage of it, and they're able to get the win. And Sam Howell playing some pretty good football right now. And we'll have to see what how he does against Seahawks defense. And Seahawks defense falling off a little bit, but they're still solid. We'll see how he does. And we'll, we'll also see if the Seahawks can take advantage of the commanders not having Sweat and Chase Young in the lineup anymore. And maybe they can. Geno hasn't been as consistent as he was last year. But if he can play consistent ball in this one and he's got his weapons out there, I think the Seahawks should be able to win this one at home. I, it's kind of tough to take and go against Seattle at home. You're nearly touchdown favorites in this one. So I will take the home team here. I'm going to go with the Seahawks to win this one. Next one up, we got Jets. Speaking of them, going on the road to the Raiders. Aiden O'Connell, there's the other one. See, you know, wasn't going to be able to get all the rookie quarterbacks, but there we go. Jets going to Las Vegas on a short week and a bad performance on the offensive side of the football. And the Raiders probably feeling a little bit rejuvenated here after their win against the Giants. Feeling rejuvenated, feeling good that Josh McDaniels is out the door. Wonder how long that's going to, that, you know, honeymoon phase is going to last. I don't know if it's going to last long. But I think the Raiders, they should feel good about getting the win here. They're going to need Josh Jacobs in the running game to help out the rookie quarterback. You know what else would help out the rookie quarterback? Oh, I know. Finding Devontae Adams. But I do think going against this Jets defense, I think Sauce Gardner is going to be guarding him for most of this game. I think it's going to be a tough one. I honestly am thinking about setting out Devontae Adams in my fantasy lineup. Uh, I, I don't know. But I think the Raiders, they should win this one. I think Crosby and company can get a little bit of pressure against Zach Wilson. 
who didn't have some costly plays last week. And that's been a thing that he hasn't had here recently. So I'm going to take the Raiders here to win on Sunday night football. I didn't even mention that. This is the Sunday night game. And so honestly, the primetime games, yeah, not, not all that great. And then you get Broncos at Bills here. Broncos have gotten to three wins here after having a rough start. The Bills are favored by nearly a touchdown this one. And again, they've had a lot of defensive injuries. Josh Allen has just been all right here. And the Bills, they need to get a running game established. And so maybe the Broncos, maybe they see an opportunity here on Monday Night Football to say, like, I mean, hey, we're not all that great, but, like, hey, we we're go- we can go on the road and go to Buffalo and beat the Bills. And if the Bills had a run game, maybe they could run on the Broncos. Broncos, not all that great at stopping the run. They do a good job of rushing the quarterback, though, and that could be something to keep an eye on and see if Josh Allen can use his legs. Maybe he can exploit them a little bit here. I do find it tough to go against Buffalo at Buffalo. So I'm going to take the Bills, but I still think we'll see a couple things that we've seen here in the last few weeks for them with their injuries and with their offense. I think we'll see a couple of those things pop up, but I think they should be able to still get the win here on Monday Night Football at home. So I'm going to go with the Bills here, and that I think wraps up everything else for the NFL in Week 10. Again, a lot of quarter rookie quarterbacks starting this week. We got 10 of them, NFL record here. So uh, imagine that. I don't think we we had this one on our bingo card for this year, but there we go. A record being set here with all those rookie quarterbacks getting the start here. And just look at the games that we're picking here. I'm counting one, two, three, four. Let's see. Okay. No, no. Five. We're going to get five of those rookie quarterbacks starting in these games for picking. Bryce Young, Tyson Bajent, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and Aiden O'Connell. Man, that's a lot. <laughs> that's just a lot in these games that we're picking. But yeah, that is the week. That is week 10 in the NFL wrapped up in the books. And we'll see what happens with these games this week. Again, the early window, late afternoon window. Pretty solid. There's some games to keep an eye on. Texans, Bengals, 49ers, Jaguars, Browns, Ravens, Lions, Chargers. So there's some good ones there. Uh, but the primetime games yeah, could, could be better. But I digress. That is the week 10 in the books, everybody. And that is going to do it for this pod. We're going to put a bow on this one, everybody. Always fun talking some football with you all as we're getting really deep into the season here and finding these teams that are separating themselves from the rest of the pack. And next week is going to be fun and recapping these games, both the NFL, college football always is next week though, should be especially some fun. And we're going to get some good games, particularly in the college football ranks, really excited to sit down and watch all those games. But that is all I have for you all this week, everybody, as always, be sure to go check us out where you guys get your podcasts, check us out on YouTube and social media that'll do it for us here have a good rest of your day have a good weekend enjoy all this football in the nfl and college and we will talk to you all monday to recap everything so until then everybody stay safe talk to you all next time